Hi, and welcome to the Don't Beat Around the Bush podcast. I'm Addie Holzman. And I'm Haley Kava. We're friends, pelvic floor physical therapists, moms, and occasional hot messes who are here for real, uncensored conversations about all things pelvic health. And because our conversations are uncensored, they're likely not appropriate for little ears. Please remember our disclaimer. Although we both are licensed physical therapists, we are not your physical therapist. Yeah, anyways. And our content is intended for educational and entertainment purposes only. Please consult your own healthcare team for individualized advice, diagnoses, and treatment. Feet. This is that whole, like, (laughs) left foot, right foot, blue foot. No, that's not it. Dr. Seuss, that foot book. People don't, I don't think, usually connect feet with the pelvic floor but holy cow as i've dove into screening people's dorsiflexion and great toe extension lately i'm like holy shit (laughs) we really need to get your ankles moving so i teach um a group class at a pilates studio uh, once a week and i haven't really like explored we, it's on reformers, but we put the mats down. So it's not really a reformer class. It's like a mat class. We're not like moving on the machine or anything. Cause I don't know how to do that. <laughs> and, um, I had them come to toes on the foot bar. So there's like a foot bar at the bottom of the reformer. And we were just doing, um, like 90, 90 calf raises. So like we started in 90, 90 and we got hamstrings on. And then I was like, okay, bring your toes to the foot bar. And we're going to stay in our like tilt in our tuck and then I want you to lift up one foot and then try to like without losing your pelvic position raise up and down on your toes you know so they're still pulling down they're still feeling hamstrings but we're just taking ankle through a range of motion but what okay this would be helpful Mm -hmm. if I knew what the setup so it's they're in 90 90 but where are their toes so there's a bar and then their toes are on the bar. So oh, oh, okay. So the heels are not the on heels anything. Not on. The toe is just on the bar. Like the bar is here. Okay. So yeah. So it's kind of like if you were standing on your tiptoes. Yeah. Yeah. For so people it, who can't see. It would be like if you were in a squat and you were doing this. Yep. Okay. Got okay. it. So it's all women, like there are not all, but I would say the average age, age is 60 plus. And Uh, Most of them have just leaking issues is like their main thing. Hardly anyone could lower their heel down past their ankle or raise it up. And I was like watching. I was like, they're moving like two centimeters thinking they're doing it. I'm like, no more. And they could not. How many of them wore high heels their entire lives like with work? Oh, I don't know. I mean, that would be a good question, but I was, I was blown away. So then I had a whole other plan for the class. I was like, nope, we're (laughs) stretching ankles and doing like ankle work the rest of class. Cause I was like, because it's not, it's like the pelvic floor. It's not also just the springiness and like the ability to lift the arch and the ability to lift the toes, but also the ability to 
flatten the arch and relax the ankle and get knees over toes. And oh man. So I am convinced that terrible advice of never letting your knees go over your toes has caused so much ankle stiffness and pelvic floor dysfunction. Like it's shit. If you guys want to dive into that, go follow knees over toes guy. Great stuff. But like you can't go through life not letting your knee go past your toe if you're like doing stairs you yeah mm-hmm. stairs or kneeling down to the floor or getting up like our knees can go past our toes people <laughs> we need that mm-hmm. for dorsiflexion or ankle flexion and to get hamstrings on because if those and, knees don't go up your toes your calves are going to get tight you know we sit a lot right and mm-hmm. and i think so many of my shorter patients um, are sitting and they're sitting in their chair and in order to get their feet on the floor, they're in tiptoe. Yep. Right. Or they're, or they're dangling on the front of their seat and then pelvis is moving into a more forward position. And so, I mean, I'm six, two, um, my desk is a normal height and I still put something under my feet Mm -hmm. so that then when I'm sitting, my ankles aren't hanging back and like, or, I mean, that typical thing where we like tuck our point our toes down and uh, yeah. Yep. And, and so, you know, is sitting not great for us? You know, no, we don't want to be sitting all day long, but how we sit can, can make that better all the way down to our ankles. Right. Yeah. Like, so I'm thinking of all the things that could factor into this one wearing high heels or shoes yeah. that are elevated in the heel will mm-hmm. keep you in a little bit of plantar flexion, plantar flexion, just meaning mm-hmm. like toes pointed. Yeah. So tight bottom of the feet, tight calves, plantar fasciitis can go along with that. Um, tight backs. So if you like I can feel this really well, but if I get into a pair of like wedges or high heels, well, I don't own high heels, wedges, <laughs> like, which I never wear anymore. I can't like, it's automatic, like back tight pelvis tilts forward. The weights all on the balls of my feet. It's like, that is the position where we can get in trouble with, um, bulging out the front of that pelvic floor. Mm-hmm. But, um, so like shoe wear, if you're wearing shoes that are scrunching your toes and your toes can't wiggle, like you should not have very much pressure at all in your toe box side to side. Like you're, mm-hmm. you're the front of your foot should be completely able to like wiggle and you should be able to push off from your toes. Um, so if your shoe is really rigid in that front half part where you can't extend your toes as you push off during walking Mm -hmm. that can lead to like tightness in the foot and the calf um i've been seeing a lot of bunions lately a lot of bunions in young people like people in their 30s and um yeah up in minnesota there's lots of people who are in ice you know hockey skates and ice Mm -hmm. skates and um you know yeah restrictive footwear (laughs) we're not wearing sandals here all year round you know our feet aren't free to move all year round because it's freaking cold um but yeah and and so considering the impact of that on our pelvic motion and on our pelvic floor is is really important so 
I realized um, when we were in Kansas and I got a pair of Ugg boots, I liked how they were wider, but the fluffy slipperiness like Mm. immediately got my back tight. Like, and so thinking about how you're sensing your shoe or how much friction is in your shoe so that you can ground yourself instead of like sliding around is another consideration. Cause once you feel like you're sliding around, those toes are going to start gripping your body. It's like you're on ice. Like your body's going to be like, Whoa, and start guarding with increased tension, which if you're in that, like think of like when you when you guard, you automatically kind of go into that, like arching your back. Yeah. Yeah. Like ribs flared arch back. Um, and so that is that extension pattern. That's going to get your butt in a more, you know, restricted position or those posterior pelvic floor muscles. And then the anterior or the front half of your pelvic floor is going to be in a more lengthened position and less able to contract. So it's crazy how feet and shoe wear. Like I tell my clients too, like I used to live in Tom's, <laughs> which Tom's shoes are terrible. Like, I mean, they have no heel support, but they scrunch the crap out of the front of my foot. Cause I have really wide feet <laughs> and you, it was just not a good situation, but I loved them. And, um, I can't wear them anymore. Cause my body doesn't agree with them, but also flip-flops used to love flip-flops and I can't wear them anymore. Like this, as soon as I put them on, it's like my whole body just like gets tense. And, um, that would like postpartum, they would spark my prolapse symptoms, like knee pain, back pain. And so not to say to not wear sandals, but maybe finding a sandal with a heel strap so that you're not clenching and gripping your toes in the bottom of your foot to try to keep those sandals on, but mm-hmm. you have something supporting keeping, you know, so your feet can relax as you walk instead of gripping your shoes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Do you feel like patterns come up in our body from the ground up or from more from the top down? That's so do really you think, so, do you think that like prone, someone being pronated is coming from their feet and then that causes their pelvic position to change and then their upper body posture or do you think someone's posture starts more centrally and impacts bless you (laughs) that's like the age-old question isn't it like it's and I think people have different drivers because if you, mm-hmm. if you have the perfect feet in the world that that can react to the ground and sense and whatever but your vision is all wonky or like your your tongue can't get to the roof of the mouth or you're breathing terribly i think you're probably going to be driven from the head down versus someone like my husband with the stiffest ankles in the world <laughs> like i think he has an issue with like ground up because he can't move there so Mm-hmm. I don't but then why did a... the ankle stiffen right I do not know yeah. that's a good question yeah I mean yeah. I think if you if you boil it down oh I don't know breathing because... is like the one thing we do 24 right. 7 our entire life well, so and I think and I think we as clinicians who do consider yeah vision neurology the butt teeth and the bite some you know occasionally is mm-hmm. that Um, we also recognize that those things aren't silver bullets Mm -hmm. necessarily if we aren't putting together the whole 
the whole system, but we still need to consider sensing, feeling the nervous system um, in order to help it all work together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good question. But um, I've been trying to think about the phases in the gait cycle and how mm-hmm. the foot limits pelvic floor, well, pelvic and hip rotation and position. And so if you think about like when you come into that mid stance where your hip is directly over your heel, mm-hmm. you're more in like a neutral ankle position, like 90 degrees, whatever. Mm-hmm. But then as you progress towards that other foot, like that other foot is swinging forward, if you can't fall over your ankle, if that knee can't go over your toe, right, for that ankle dorsiflexion, you're not going to be able to rotate that pelvis towards that back foot, which is where you get the back half of your pelvic floor. So your back pocket lengthening and your hip external rotators are lengthening and you're going into that um, like pelvic hip internal rotation adduction if you're not get if your ankle is limiting you from getting to that phase and gait then then you're not gonna get that full pelvic floor range of motion as you're walking and you're gonna tend to get tighter or more mm-hmm. limited let's just say limited like you're not going to be going through your full yeah. range of motion and yeah that can yeah. cause problems the arches represent the posterior pelvic floor And so if the arches are high, we're hanging on the outside edges of our feet and we're walking on the outside edges of our feet and we're always keeping our arches up because that's how so many postpartum people walk is that we just clunk around on those outer edges of our feet. Uh, The arch is never getting the chance to lengthen. So you better believe that posterior pelvic floor is never getting a chance to lengthen. People who pronate are compensating for that position in order to try, um, to, you know, to move better, but it's still that we're probably getting sort of fake lengthening through that pelvic floor. Is that's more of like a compensatory strategy or they're just dropping like their heel is just falling in or their navicular bone, their ankle bones. So there's a difference as in abs and pelvic floor of that eccentric Eccentric control control. lengthening of the arch and not Mm -hmm. just dropping into it. Yep, exactly. And then really the ability to then re-supinate is then the ability of that pelvic floor to come back up and lift and create a push-off point for you to then drive into the next step. Yep. Um, And so that great toe, your big toe push-off at the end of that cycle, if you don't have, you need 70 to 90 degrees of extension for running of your great toe. If you're not getting that, um, you may be shortening your stride. You may be, instead of pushing off from your toe and getting those glutes and hamstrings, like good push off, you're probably going to come out of that phase a little early and start pulling with your hip flexors. Cause if you can't push, you're going to start pulling. And so, um, the hip flexors, you know, if they're pulling you through that swing phase even harder or starting earlier, and working longer through that phase, they're going to, you know, start in- increasing that back extension. Your ribs might start flaring, pelvic floor pressure, you know, all of those things. So mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. really interesting. And that is the one thing, not the one thing, but one of the best things about pastoral restoration, I think, is that 
it really teaches us gait mechanics and breathing. And those two things are probably the most functional things we do in life. And I've loved like diving down those rabbit holes and being like, oh yeah, this makes sense because of what your toe or ankle are doing, what your pelvic floor is doing, what your shoulder is doing. It's just so cool to connect all the dots and see, see things for what they're worth. Cause that one, um, I had a client, we started in September and she just moved and she Mm -hmm. just got to the point where, I mean, she's come such a long way. Um, nervous system, very, very sensitive. So movements had to be like she, and she could tune in to what was going to feel good versus not, but we worked a ton on all of the things. And when we got to her foot, I actually measured her, her, um, I did the knee to wall test that we did in dry Mm -hmm. needling Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. her right toe did not come off the wall at all. Like, oh, so her like, knees on the wall, her heels on not, the floor, Yeah, her knee oh. could not go past her toe at all. And the right hip and the right side of the pelvic floor were the, the angry, the angry ones. So, um, and all we did, mm. we did some, like just controlling that arch. She's really supinated. Like she has a hard time flattening her arch. So we did some arch exercises and some just like getting through dorsiflexion and trying to lower that arch with that knee going over the toe. And she gained like a centimeter during the treatments. So I'm like, good. I mean, that's, Keep it, that's yeah. progress. Yeah. but it was amazing. Um, how, and even e-version, there was like no e-version on that right ankle. And so she can't right off hip, of that side. Yeah, exactly. And right hip abduction exercises even like laying on the left side and just doing abduction were always a trigger for her and I'm like why did we not find this like months earlier I don't know there's so so many moving parts right and there is yeah there is so those feet don't underestimate their involvement in pelvic floor issues it's so funny when you want to talk about feet because that moment looking at 10 feet, like 10 sets of feet in my face and seeing that none of these 10 sets of feet could dorsiflex or plantar flex at all with any sort of control or support, um, was crazy. Yeah. Their, I bet their hip internal rotation was crap. Oh yeah. I mean, I mean yeah, they're all, yeah. So yeah, yeah. It's just, and those posterior pelvic floors were just gripping on for dear life (laughs) these these ladies are amazing and they um every day they're like when i wake up in the morning i'm walking calmly to the bathroom i'm not (laughs) sprinting to the bathroom and i i had lunch with my girlfriends and i was laughing and that's (laughs) so cool didn't pee my pants and um and so it's been really fun it's been really fun to like apply it to a group type setting. And so I'm re- I really enjoy them. <laughs> that is so much fun. And like, I feel like that population is just so appreciative and grateful and wise. Like I love like working with women that are older than me. I'm like, what can you teach me? Teach me yeah, your ways. No, All of the things. <laughs> they're really sweet. And so uh, with the owner of the studio, we were planning on 
not doing it again until the fall. And the ladies in the class were like, so when's the next one? And I was like, well, you have to talk to Pam because we were talking about September. And they're all like, we'll be talking to Pam. (laughs) (laughs) It was so funny. I was like, ladies. I love it. That's so cool. Mm-hmm. what a fun like outreach to get them some like pelvic floor awareness without having yeah. to do like one-on-one and, and yeah still, most like, of them benefiting. have are 65 plus so i can't mm-hmm. can't um and so it's been that's been cool know your bush love your bush share, share the bush you love communicate with Addie and I both in regards to the podcast questions, comments, concerns, topics that you want discussed on our podcast Facebook page, Don't Beat Around the Bush podcast, as well as our email account, which is Don't Beat Around the Bush podcast at gmail.com. You can also find our podcast on all the major podcast platforms. So please subscribe, comment and share all the bushy love. It's probably pretty obvious that our episodes are edited and produced by Addie and myself. (laughs) And our music is provided by Blockhead.